Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. But as you know, we're in the middle of a series, and I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 1. That's the very beginning of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1. Go ahead and open your Bibles and find your way there. Uh, We're in the middle of what we're calling the Gospel Series, and I want to just recap if this is your first week with us. We have been watching as a church together some summary videos by the Bible Project, one each day, and doing a little bit of journaling and answering some questions that will help us see the summary of the whole Bible, to capture the biblical themes throughout the Old Testament and through the four accounts of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to see that the gospel includes the whole story of God and Israel together, and it culminates in the life and the ministry, the suffering, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That we are called not to to be disciples, not to just be deciders, to believe something about Jesus, but to actually follow Jesus, to learn from Him. This is the Gospel. And we must know the full story. Because the Holy Spirit still uses the story to bring people to salvation in Jesus Christ. So let's read our passage. And it is a bit of a lengthy passage today with some fun little genealogies. And so I'm going to read pretty quickly, but you read along right where you are, and then we'll get started for today. So Matthew chapter 1, the beginning words of our New Testament begin this way. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, who was the father of Jacob, who was the father of Judah and his brothers, who was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron, who was the father of Ram, who was the father of Aminadab, who was the father of Nashon, who was the father of Salmon, who was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Solomon the father of Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, the father of Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, who was the father of Jehoram, who was the father of Uzziah, are you getting bored yet? Who was the father of Jotham, who was the father of Ahaz, who was the father of Hezekiah, who was the father of Manasseh, who was the father of Ammon, who was the father of Josiah, And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. We're almost through the the genealogy. Hang in there. After the exile to to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and he was the father of Zerubbabel, and he was the father of Abihud, and he was the father of Eliakim, who was the father of Azor, who was the father of Zadok, who was the father of Akim, who was the father of Elihud, who was the father of Eleazar, who was the father of Matan, who was the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. 
Thus there were fourteen generations in all, from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to the exile to Babylon, and fourteen from the exile to the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God, and our response is, thanks be to God. Well, this week Lori and I celebrated 25 years of marriage together, and I just want to say thank you for all the memories that you shared online uh, of us and, and all the, the, the wonderful things you said. Some of you sent cards and sent gifts, uh, got, a, got a case of Coke Zero and Diet Coke and some root beer for Jackson, our favorite uh, drinks, and so we were thankful for that, so thank you for, for that. But one of the stories that I've learned about from being married to Lori for 25 years is something called appreciation tours. Now, you may not know what an appreciation tour is, but this was something that her mom and dad would do when Lori and her brother were young. They would get into the car and they would drive. Many of you have probably been doing this, not as an appreciation tour, but just to get out of the house over the last few weeks. But what they would do is they would drive through the very rural parts of West Virginia, where they were, where Lori's dad has a farm to this day. And they would drive down into the coal camps. And they would see the beautiful scenery of West Virginia. I highly encourage, if you've never been to West Virginia, go and see, especially in the fall. It's absolutely gorgeous. But they would go through and they would drive through These things that were a part of the history of that area of our country. And they would see the conditions in which these people would live. Some in abject poverty. Working to scratch out a living in the coal mines, in the coal camps. And what these appreciation tours were hopefully doing was engaging them in the story of their surroundings, being people who live in West Virginia and having coal and coal mining in their background and farming in their background. It engaged them in the story of their surroundings. It also encouraged thankfulness or appreciation for what they had and where they lived and where their family had come to. But it also invited them into action. In fact, Lori would say that her desire to study leadership development among women from rural settings 
has direct ties right into those tours that they used to take as a kid. As she would see these people struggling and wondering what could she do? What was God calling her into to help in, in that kind of setting, in that kind of world? Well, we've been on an appreciation tour of sorts. Two weeks ago, we looked at Jesus as the new temple. And last week, we looked at Jesus as king. And today, we continue through this as we begin to look as Jesus as Messiah. Or the Hebrew word is Mashiach. You probably want to say that with me, don't you? It's, it's kind of a fun word. It's, it's not a word that's good for social distancing because you kind of have to have that guttural thing. It is the word Mashiach. Won't, won't you say that with me? Ready? One, two, three. Mashiach. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Mashiach. And this word literally means the anointed one. Now, its Greek translation of the word anointed one is the word Christos. And we often find that as Christ. So whenever you see Jesus Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name. It is a title. It means the anointed one. Jesus the anointed one. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah. The Mashiach. It is a title, and it is something that comes out of the Old Testament. These anointed ones in the Old Testament, kings were people who were anointed ones. And David, King David, was kind of the pinnacle, the king who was the best of the best of the kings. Prophets were also sometimes anointed. And Moses slash Elijah were probably the the two that were foremost in the minds of the people of Israel. And then high priests were anointed as well. They were anointed ones. And again, Moses and Aaron were probably the the high points of the priestly time. I know often we don't think of Moses as a priest, but he was the first one to go in God's presence on behalf of the people. He is one included among the priests. But over time, another idea of Messiah, of anointed one, began to arise. And it's really woven throughout the Hebrew Bible as new threads begin to be wound into this not just king, priest, and prophet, but all through. And if you remember way back to our very first video, we began to look at the Hebrew Bible. And they call their Bible the Tanakh. And that's a a kind of a a mix-up word where they take the first two letters of the three sections of their scripture. The Torah, that's the Ta, and the Navaim, which means prophets, the na, the na in the word, and the Ketuvim, the k at the end, the Tanakh. And this is the teachings, the law, the prophets, and the writings together. And we begin in the Torah at the very beginning, as we have each week in this series in Genesis, where God creates everything and then places His image in male and female into the midst of His creation. And He invites them to take care of this world and invites them to learn how to live the best life straight from God's mouth to our ears. But we know the story. We know that they are are told to eat from any tree in the garden except the knowledge of good and evil because God wanted to teach them what good and evil was from His mouth to their ears. But they're deceived by a serpent. 
and they decide to take the fruit, to take good and evil and what that would be and define it for themselves. And all they end up doing is bringing sin into the world. Now, God had said that if they ate of that tree, they would certainly die. But they don't die immediately. It's interesting that God in His mercy does let the consequences take place. They are sent out of the garden. It's going to be tough going for survival with bringing food from the earth. Childbirth is going to be uh, a painful experience. And their relationships are going to be mistrusting. But chapter 3, verse 15, God begins by saying this to the serpent. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Crush his head and strike his heel. This is the first time the idea of someone who will take care of evil but will die in the process comes up in our scriptures. We're just three chapters into the Bible. And as we go through the Torah, the teaching, the law, we start looking for this one. Who could it be? Well, first we come to Abraham. Now, God does say that He will bless all the nations of the earth through Abraham's offspring. Could He be this one who will take care of evil? No. I mean, He has His good moments, but He and His offspring keep messing things up. We get to Exodus and we get to Moses. I mean, here's this great leader. He's the one who goes into the presence of God. He gives the law, the teaching. He's a great prophet and priest. Surely, maybe Moses is the one who will take care of evil. But no. The Torah ends with them longing for someone like Moses. You can see this at the end of Deuteronomy. You can see them longing for one. Who will come? They, In fact, they say no one has been like Moses as a prophet, as a teacher, as a, as a, as a leader. They're longing for him. Well, we move into the next section, the, the Nava'im, the prophets. And the prophets begin in the Hebrew Bible. It's a little different order than it is in our English Bible. But the prophets begin with Joshua. And Joshua, and it goes through from Joshua all the way through to Malachi. It starts hopeful. Joshua is like Moses. Could it be him? He's a great leader. He, he follows God's word. He has many victories, but no, Joshua is not the one. And this leads us into the story of many great leaders and eventually kings who are anointed and priests who are anointed and prophets who are anointed. Some are faithful, but most are unfaithful. The search for this one who will crush evil and die in the process continues. Now these faithful prophets speak out. They speak out against Israel's corruption. They begin to talk about the coming day of Yahweh or the day of the Lord where evil will be dealt with. And Isaiah tells us that this, there will be a servant of God who will suffer and die to reunite, reunite God and people just like Moses did. That, that there will be someone who will bless the nations like Abraham was supposed to do. That the end of the prophets come and the crusher of evil who dies has still not come forward. 
In fact, Malachi, the last of the prophets, in chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, points to this one. But they still have not shown up. Here's how Malachi chapter 4 ends. Remember the law of my servant Moses. The decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb and for all of Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of Yahweh comes. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents. It ends. It heightens. And there's a longing for this one who will come. But still, that person has not come. Maybe, maybe the writings, maybe the Ketuvim will be the one where, where we'll finally get to hear about this one who comes. And it starts with the Psalms and ends with Chronicles. Psalm 1 and 2 describe this one. Psalm 1 describes him as the righteous one who, who doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful or in the company of mockers. Psalm 2 begins to describe a promised king, this one who will be the son, that God calls son, the son of God. And that theme is found in all the Psalms, all the way through all 150 of them. Daniel is included in the writings in the Hebrew Bible, not in the prophets. But he does see a new future and one who will bring the glory of God back to the temple. And then will ascend to a throne next to the Ancient of Days. Another term for God. Chronicles, which is the end of the Hebrew Scriptures, the one has still not emerged The longing has increased. In fact, Chronicles tells the whole story of Israel in a short fashion and finishes with a question. It combines passages from Jeremiah 25, Leviticus 25 and 26, and Daniel 9. I want to read to you Young's literal translation of this verse. 2 Chronicles 36, verse 23. Here it is, if you were to just take it, the words in Hebrew and put it into English. It ends with a question, who is among you of all God's people? Yahweh his God is with him and he will go up. But the one has still not come. We've gone from the garden all the way through the exile and back. Who could this Messiah be? Who could this anointed one be? This one who crushes evil through his death. Who is from Abraham's line. Who is like Moses as a teacher. Who is like Elijah as a prophet. Who is a king like David and from David's line. Who could this Messiah be? Who can bring God's glory back to the temple. Who will unite the people. Who will bring nations to Jerusalem. Who is the righteous one of Psalm 1. Who could this Messiah be? Who is the king and son of God from Psalm 2. Who is worthy to ascend to the throne next to God, who is the servant who will suffer as the sin bearer to cleanse people? Who could this Messiah be who sets people free from sin, who God is with? I mean, this is a tall order. Can any person fulfill this to be this anointed one, this Mashiach? Who could this be? Now we're back to our passage. And the beginning of the New Testament from the longing and the questioning of Chronicles 
begins this way. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Mashiach, the Messiah, the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Wow, that ought to set some bells off for you. Hmm, son of David? Check. Son of Abraham? Check. Matthew 1.21 goes on and says, You will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Saves people from sin? Check. It goes on in verse 23, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Wait, brings God's presence back? Check. There we go. Matthew 2, if we would go on, we would see that the nations come to see Him. The Magi, the wise men from the east, come to where He is bringing gifts. He brings the nations together. Check. Matthew chapter 4 through 25, there are five separate blocks of teachings that we see that Jesus does. How many books of teaching did Moses give us? Oh, let's see. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Five. Teacher like Moses? Check. Also like Moses, he comes out of Egypt. Instead of crossing the Red Sea, he's baptized in the Jordan. Instead of being in the wilderness 40 years, he is there 40 days. Instead of being given law from a mountain, he gives a new teaching from a mountain. Chapter 21, he enters Jerusalem like a king? Check. But he chooses to enter as the peaceful king of Zechariah 9, verse 9. And he cleanses the temple like a prophet and priest? Absolutely. Check and check. He clears the business of sacrifice, though, to make room for prayer. Chapter 24, he preaches about the day of Yahweh. Yes, he does. Check. And he tells them about the Son of Man, who the prophet Daniel said will come and bring God's glory and ascend to the throne. And he uses that term about himself. Yes. Check. Absolutely. Is he the innocent servant who suffers and dies for the sins of the world? Chapter 27 says, absolutely, check. And he dies and is sealed in a tomb. But does he stay there? No. Chapter 28 finally shows us that the head, that Jesus was the one who crushes the head of the serpent. He was the one who was wounded and died, but God has raised him from the dead. He is the long-awaited one. He is the Mashiach. And Matthew finishes his gospel account with Jesus saying that he truly is Emmanuel, God with us. He says there in the very last verse of Matthew's account of the gospel, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Check, check, and check. Wow. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, the King better than David, the prophet and priest better than Moses, the suffering servant of Isaiah, the Son of Man from Daniel, and the One who brings God's presence. He is this One. He is the One who has crushed the head of the serpent, died, and yet is victorious to bring us. He is the One. Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. Now you may be asking, Pastor Jeff, why are you taking us through the whole Old Testament every week? Why are we taking the long way? Couldn't you just start at the Gospel and go from there? 
Well, I suppose I could, and I have with two of the Gospels in our time together as pastor and congregation. But I think the reason why we need to do this is the same reason why my father-in-law would take his children on these appreciation tours. We really need to go through the whole thing in order to see how faithful our God has been. In order to see how relentless God's mercy has been and still is to this day. To see how deep God's love for people truly is. We need to see how broken our world and people are because of sin and our constant desire to declare right and wrong for ourselves. To see that we also need to see the trustworthiness of our God who never gives up and who always forgives when we ask. We need to see the full depth of how God God so loved the world that He was willing to give His one and only Son. We need to see in Jesus all of this mercy, forgiveness, and love displayed in human form. We need to see how our sin and brokenness broke His body and pierced His heart. We need to hear in His anguished cry on the cross the heart cry of every suffering human being. To appreciate the cost of love and forgiveness. To know that our sins are forgiven. To feel the joy joy of release from sin, to hear the call to go and make disciples because He is with us always, to rest in the full assurance that God, that Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ is with us always. And this, my friends, is the gospel. The whole story of God's trustworthiness with Israel throughout the millennia that culminates in Jesus' lineage, birth, life, teaching, ministry, suffering, death, resurrection, and ascension. God has been and will continue to be all in for humanities, for your rescue, your redemption, and your remaking into His image in the world. There is no sin God won't forgive. There is no brokenness God won't heal. There is no depth God won't go to with you. There is no weakness God won't strengthen you in. There is no end to God's grace through Jesus the Messiah. Well, our appreciation tour is over. The problem is, is that we're not called to just appreciate a tour of God's mercy and grace, like some, like going to a museum and appreciating art and going home. Now that you've engaged in the story of humanity's surroundings, and hopefully you are thankful for what has been offered in Jesus, you are now called to the action part of the good news. You are invited into the experience. Today you are invited into God's trustworthiness, into God's grace, into God's forgiveness, into God's strength, into His peace, into His gentleness, into His love. The goal of the gospel is for you to experience I am with you always, not just know about it. Do you need to experience this today? Do you need to know that Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one is with you in this pandemic? That he is with you in your essential work. 
that He is with you in your home isolation. Students, that He's with you in your homeschooling and He is with you as you are missing your friends and your classmates. That He is with you in your fear of the virus, in the worry, in the doubt. Christ the Messiah is with you. Jesus is with you. Do you need to know that Jesus is with you? In the brokenness of your life story, He is with you. In the places where you have grabbed for yourself, where you have sinned and have broken things, He is offering you forgiveness and His presence. If you want to move from appreciation of to experience of Jesus, would you pray with me right now? Just bow your heads and close your eyes right there in your homes, wherever you are around the world. And I, I want to be a little specific today, if it's okay. Uh, this morning as I was praying, I, I felt a burden for our single folk around the world. I can think of no greater population of people who need to know that Jesus is with them in their isolation. I also felt a burden for moms. I know last week was Mother's Day. But for some reason, I just found myself this morning praying that moms would experience that Christ is with them. The Anointed One is with them. So I'm going to ask you to do something that may be strange if we were all here together, but I hope is fine right where you are. If you're a single person or you're a mom... Would you just put your hands in the air, palms open, asking for an experience that Jesus is with you? Kids and husband, if, if your mom, your spouse is raising her hands right now, would you just put a hand on her shoulder or on her, on her knee and just pray along that God would give her strength to know and experience that He is with her right now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Messiah, we are so grateful for Your faithfulness and Your goodness to us. We can do nothing but be in awe that You are so all in for our redemption, our hope, for our rescue, and to make us into Your image. Father, today in the midst of all of this, we need to know and experience the presence of Your Anointed One, the presence of Jesus. And so I pray specifically for single folk, however they are single, if they are, or have always been single, or they're single again, that You would move into that place where they have their hands raised right now, and they would experience You right there and hear Your voice saying to them, I am with You. I am with You in the midst of this. I am with You in the loneliness. I am with You as You have Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting. I am with You. I am with You. I am with you. I pray for 
our moms who have their hands raised right now. We pray that they would sense Your strength and Your presence there. May they hear Your voice saying, I am with You as You parent. I am with You as You homeschool. I am with You in what You need. I am with You in Your worry and anxiety. I am with You. I am with You. Father, we pray that we would move from just appreciating what Jesus has done to asking for His presence, His real sustaining presence to be in our lives right now in this moment. And I pray that You would, right now, as people are listening and praying, that they would experience Your presence right where they are, right in this moment, bringing compassion, bringing forgiveness, bringing mercy, bringing hope, bringing help, bringing peace bringing wholeness. I pray that as we finish our service today, Father, that Your Anointed One would be glorified, would be praised in our lives, in our words, and in our action. For we pray and ask all of these things In His name, the name of Jesus, Amen. Well, normally I I bless you and I give you a, a, a benediction. I just thought today it might be fun to finish the service the way we started. And so I'm going to invite you to just sing, and not going to be any music other than my leading. I hope I'll be in a good key. But to sing the doxology. Could we do that right now? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. We sing this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. God bless you. Wash your hands. Stay safe. And we'll see you next week online. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.